this morning. If you have your Bibles today, would you turn them to the prophet Haggai, chapter 2? Let's go to the book of Matthew, turn back a couple books, and you'll find it. Haggai, chapter 2. We're going to read the first nine verses. Very familiar portion of Scripture. And I want to uh, preach a message this morning I've entitled, Developing Our Spiritual Awareness. I know that sounds like a deep title. But you'll see where I'm going in a moment. Our New Year's theme is cultivating a spiritual climate. That doing what we can, as I mentioned in the New Year's message, that we cannot force God's hand to move in different arenas of our lives. But what we can do is we can create a climate where if God wanted to move, he could. There wouldn't be roadblocks to something he would wish to do in our midst, and that's our vision for uh, this year, is that we would create a climate for God to move in. Not that that already isn't here, but how I many of you know we can do, sometimes we can do more than what we're doing, and, and just be aware of more. And so uh, one way we can cultivate a spiritual climate is to become more aware of what God is already doing, that God's working in our midst, and begin to cooperate with that, and begin to flow with that. Years ago, uh, Pastor Mitchell, uh, he had a famous quote that I wrote down. He, he, he said, write it down in your Bibles. <laughs> God is at work. Write it down in your Bibles. God is at work. God's doing something. And he said that at a time when I didn't feel like God was doing a whole lot in my life. You know, have you ever been there? It's like, you know, God's at work. God's doing Well, I don't really see what he's doing. And he used that scripture out of John chapter 5, where Jesus healed the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, and the Pharisees became very jealous and plotted against him for that. And in John 5, 16 and 17, it says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. And Pastor Mitchell had the understanding, the revelation of that, that God's always at work. He says, my father was working until, he says, and now I'm working. God's always at work. And so as we realize that, and we can become in tune to that, that can help us, amen, to uh, realize sometimes even in times where it doesn't seem like a lot's going on, that God's at work, God's doing something. And so becoming aware of that can change our perspective, and we can flow with that. We can cooperate with the Holy Spirit in all that he wants to do. Let's go ahead and read Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, of the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, 
And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. God wants us to be aware of His presence and His Spirit working in our lives. In our text, God is trying to rally His people to rebuild the temple, and they've lost vision, they've lost momentum, they pull back from the rebuilding of the destroyed temple. And earlier in Haggai chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 2 first, it says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, The people says, The time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. So they're trying to delay it. They're trying to put it off. Not, not right now. This isn't a good time. And then verses 12 through 14, God speaks to his people. It says, uh, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of the hosts, their God. One sermon I've preached from this in the past is that, you know, it's a great thing. When, you know, and God tells us at different times in the, in the scriptures to stir ourselves up. But you know what? God says, I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to stir up the priests. I'm going to stir up the remnant of the people. Uh, I'm going to stir up uh, uh, Zerubbabel, Shealtiel, uh, uh, Zerubbabel, and Jehozadak, you know, all these people. Joshua, I'm getting ahead of myself. But you know what I'm saying is that God says, I will stir you up. Different message. But anyway, on we go. But listen to the theme of Haggai. In Haggai 1.13, what I just read, it says, In Haggai, the Lord's messenger spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. He's letting them know that his presence is with them. His favor is with them. He's wanting to move in. And then verses 4 and 5 of our text, it says, uh, uh, let me go ahead and read that. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, O you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. So verse 13, he says, I am with you. Verse 4, he says, I am with you. Verse 5, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. And so twice he says, I am with you. And then he says, my spirit remains among you. And so what this kind of gives us the clue of is that God was in their midst. God was working. God was doing something, but they weren't aware of it. How many know we can all get to that place? We've all been there many times in our walk with God, that God's doing something, we're just not aware of it. And he's reminding them, I'm with you. My spirit remains among you. I have not abandoned you. It's so easy to get caught up in our own drama in life and fail to recognize the moving of God's Spirit working in us and around us. You know, one of the great stories that we have, and this is a human condition 
All of us have this blindness from time to time. But we have the story of Jacob, and it's worth reading. And Jacob is running for his life from his brother Esau. His brother Esau wants to kill him because he's deceived him. You can read the whole story on your own. But Esau says, I'm going to kill him. So Jacob's running for his life. And in Genesis 28, 10 through 16, it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on him. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your, to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Jacob is caught up in his drama. He's caught up in his fears. He's running for his life. And all of a sudden, God meets with him, a ladder from heaven, angels going up and down, future destiny, all the things God's going to do in his life. And he's realizing, you know what? I'm not in this all alone. That God's with me. God's going to help me. He's going to get me past where I need to go. This is a, uh, an immediate crisis I'm facing. Uh, he said, uh, I wasn't aware of all, this going, of all this going on. He said, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And we can all be in that place in God. We're caught up in our fears. We're caught up in our daily struggles. We're caught up in drama. And not realizing, hey, God's poised, wanting to do something great. Hosea 11, verses 1 through 4, says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. As they called them, they went, uh, so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck, and I stooped and fed them. It says that they did not know that I healed them. You know, God can be working in our lives, and we think it's just coincidences. We think that things just happen in life. Well, I got that promotion, or this happened, this good thing happened, because I just, you know, it's just coincidence, it's just, you know, things that happen in life. But many times, God is behind the scenes, trying to reveal himself, uh, trying to show himself strong in our lives, uh, uh, trying to help us come to that place that we realize he is there. And that we can begin to cooperate with what he's trying to do in our lives. We can begin to uh, operate and say, hey, you know what? I am not abandoned. Earlier in Hosea 2 verse 8, it says, uh, For she did not know 
that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. You know, gifts that were meant for the blessing and kingdom. People thought this just showed up and happened by chance. You know, God's Bible says he's kind to the unthankful and the evil. You know, people can leave God and just, you know, become distant from God, but many times God will still be faithful. God will still bless them. God will still try to reach out to them in a way to show his love and to demonstrate his faithfulness to them that they might turn back to him. See, one of the things that affects me, and as a pastor, one of the things that affects God's people is that God can be doing great things in us, around us, and we can't see anything he's doing. All we see is the problems. We can become buzzard Christians. You know what a buzzard Christian is? A buzzard can be in the sky, circling some of the greenest pastures, the most brilliant flowers, the shimmering lakes, Majestic snow-capped mountains, and all he sees is something dead on the side of the road. He doesn't care. He's not up there going, man, look at those flowers. That's not awesome. Man, look at those mountains. God, you are so awesome. Those mountains, no, hey, there's something smashed on the side of the road. Let's go pay attention to that. We have to see beyond the smashed things in our lives, amen, to see what God's doing. Because sometimes God's doing something, we don't even realize it. I had a friend in Tucson, he's still a friend, he's in the Tucson church, very good friend. Uh, actually, he worked with me, got saved, but he first came to America, and he was actually from America, he married a girl in Mexico, and then he came up, and He's broke, he's he got a small family, he's living in a one-room shack, and he was telling me about Christmas time. Uh, one time he had lost his job. They're living in this little shack. They had no money for Christmas, and no money for presents or a tree or anything, and he had he'd been working out in this field and and um, before he had gotten fired, and, and um, he found a tumbleweed. And so he bought this, he got this tumbleweed, and somehow... He had some Christmas lights, and so he brought this tumbleweed home, and he put Christmas lights around this tumbleweed, you know, and he, uh, they had Christmas, hallelujah, you know, they just, uh, he just, in other words, you know, there was a lot of things going wrong in his life, but he had a spirit in him to say, I'm not just going to see the bad, I'm going to take something that's bad, I'm going to make it better. I want to look next at the affirming voice that we need. In our story, God is rallying his people to the work by reminding them that he, of his presence and that he's still there. But over and over again in the scriptures, uh, God reminds us of his presence and spirit in the midst of his people to keep them engaged in the things of God. Again, in Haggai 1.13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. 
Verses 4 and 5, it says, I am with you and my spirit remains among you. When Jesus spoke of the coming of the Holy Spirit to the disciples in John 14, verses 15 through 18, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What's Jesus saying? He's promising them his presence. He's promising them his spirit. He says, you are not going to be orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and I will come to you. He's reassuring them of his presence and his promise upon their lives. Sometimes... We need the affirming voice of God speaking to us of his faithful spirit to keep us going. Because sometimes, listen, God's doing his greatest work when we don't see anything. Sometimes he's moving in us in times that we can't, you know, we can't even imagine to be aware of that. I mentioned, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I mentioned about the man who came to my job and and I was not in a great mood that day and witnessed to him. A guy wounds up getting saved, and his, his wife got saved, his brother got saved, his parents got saved, this chain reaction of events. And I was not feeling very spiritual that day. There's another story, I think I've shared it before, but it's worth sharing again. There's a man named Greg Foster. He went to be with the Lord, but he worked across the street from me. He was a loud, angry biker, and uh, you could hear him. Um, over machinery, you could hear him across the street yelling at people. I mean, just the, this guy had a voice that was unbelievable. And so I invited him to church, and this was during a time I had a severe financial setback in my life. Uh, uh, I wasn't feeling very uh, spiritual. I, you know, I was just wrestling through some things. My son was in Iraq. Uh, all kinds of things were happening. Uh, uh, just, you know, just all kinds of uh, turmoil and different things in my life. And, and so I invite him to church and he comes and he gets gloriously saved. I think I told you a story that he came and he answered the altar call. I began to cry. He said, I haven't cried since I was five years old. And so I, you know, I, he got saved and he not only got saved, but he came back to church. I used to go come and guys to go pick him up. And so here I am, I'm wrestling through this stuff, and I'm watching God just slowly change this guy's life. And just revolutionarily just change this guy's life. And I remember one time, you know, he was thanking me, man, thanks for coming and picking me up for church. Thanks for encouraging me. I said, Look, God gave me a front row seat and watching him change your life. But that was during a time. In other words, if I could have just gotten caught up and said, Well, I got this drama right now, dude. I can't, I can't handle you right now. I got, this, I got these issues in my life. But I really, hey, God's doing something here. I better pay attention to this. Maybe I'm not firing on all cylinders right now, but you know what? God's doing something to this man. And if I can do anything to feed that fire, if I can do anything to encourage that, I need to do that. And God used me in my, in my weakened condition, you know, in my discouraged condition. He still used me to help this man. And so this is what I'm talking about this morning is that sometimes, you know, times you feel weakened. Times you feel like, man, I just don't even feel good. Listen, sometimes that's the time that God wants to do the greatest thing. See, both these stories I told aren't about my faithfulness but to God's abiding presence on my life during times I couldn't see anything. My spirit remains among you. 
do not fear. Wow, God, you're still here in spite of my circumstances, in spite of me. Another thing we see is, need to see is that sometimes the blessing of God is all over our lives, and we're the only ones who don't see it. I can't tell you the number of people and times over the years that have come to me saying, I don't know why I'm serving God and faithful. I'm stuck in this bad place. It's always the same. Just thanks you. And I'm looking at their lives going, man, I see how much you've changed. I see what God's doing. I, I see him moving in you in a fresh way. I see the transformation of your countenance. And other people are like, man, God's just moving in them so powerfully. I'm so glad to see and, and how they're doing really good. And, but we don't see it. It's like Moses coming down from the mountain and it says that his face shone, but he did not know that his face shone. He didn't realize the impact he was having on other people. That's a powerful story. He's, come, he's just coming back and people are like, hey, Moses, man, give us a break. Put a veil over your face. You got too much of the glory of God on you, bro. He's like, what? I, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm just up on the mountain talking to God. Now, I wasn't saying he was discouraged, but I'm saying he didn't know how he was impacting other people. And you don't know. In the midst of all your problems and issues, I'm sure he's thinking, how am I going to get these Ten Commandments? How am I going to tell him about, you know, he's, he's probably caught up in all of his, you know, fears and worries. When you are depressed or feeling abandoned and not seeing what you want to see God, uh, to see in your life and, Remind yourself of his faithful presence. Three times in Psalm 42 and 43, David said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You know, David, sometimes a good time to have a good talk with yourself. You know? Sometimes we need to talk with ourselves. And that's what David's doing. He's talking to himself. Now, there's some people talk to themselves, you get a little worried, you know, but, uh, but this is a good conversation. He's saying, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, that God's there for me. I don't have to be trapped by my depression. I don't have to be trapped by my anxiety. There is a God in heaven who has promised to be with me, who will not leave me an orphan, who has said, my spirit remains among you. I don't have to be uh, conquered by these feelings. In our text, one of the things that was causing spiritual despondency was a spirit of comparison. And it was comparing something from the past. In verse 3 of our text, it says, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? The New Living Translation says... Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. And so what was happening, if you understand this story, that Solomon's temple had been destroyed. Solomon built a glorious temple, amen. You can read about it, the, the gold, the artistry, and all the things that went into the temple. And now this temple is going to be rebuilt in a very short period of time. It's going to be smaller 
It's not going to have the gold. It's not going to have all the trappings of outward beauty. This is why many commentators believe that God says in verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. Not because God's asking for money. He's just saying, I don't need silver or gold in a temple to get me excited about the things of God. He says, I want people in there. Anyway, that was for free. No extra charge for that. So, uh, but many times, if we're not careful, nostalgia can kill everything good that God is trying to do in our lives. Looking back, whether it's your church, your marriage, your children, your career. How many know that sometimes as life goes on, things seem to narrow. Opportunities seem to narrow. It doesn't seem like life is getting bigger and more full. It seems like things are beginning to narrow. And so that's what these people think. Hey, we're going to build this temple. It's not going to be like Solomon's temple. But yet God has promised in that the glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. And so God says he was going to do greater things in the new temple that was inferior to man's eyes than he did in the former temple. See, looking back is good for perspective, but many times it's, it's not a good thing. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10 says, Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Obsession with the past can rob us of good things that God wants us to do in the now. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus spoke to his disciples, verses 36 to 39. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wine wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine... Immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. And so, you know, he's saying a lot of things in there that we have to be pliable because what would happen, they put the new wine in, a new, in, a, in an old wineskin, the, the wineskin had become uh, cracked and hardened, and so as that wine would begin to ferment and begin to stretch, it, it would burst and it would, it would spill out of all the, the wine that was put in it. But then he says something interesting he says, and no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new. He says, the old is better. And, you know, we live in a society that is filled with nostalgia. And looking back, you know, and I want to be careful how I say this, but I've noticed in recent years all this obsession with World War II movies. And listen, it was the greatest generation. They did great things, and they fought the battle for our country. But it's almost like people are looking back on that in an idolatrous type of way. They're like, that's the only good thing that ever happened, and that there's nothing good today. There's like Band of Brothers, the Pacific, Saving Private Private, and now there's a new one called Masters of the Air. And so looking back and just, and, and listen, there's other wars that, that men have done heroic things. Men and women have done heroic things. And so I'm not criticizing what they did. I want to be very careful. There was, it was a very critical time in our nation. But, you know, sometimes when you're just looking back and you're just, what, what about now? Is, are, are, you know, is there anything good happening now? 
or that, if it's not that, the Jesus people movement. That's what we want. We all want to be hippies driving Volkswagens and, you know, getting baptized at the beach. You know, that's, that, that's how God really moves, right? Isn't that how God really moves? Is that you have to get baptized at the beach and drive down there in a Volkswagen bus, you know, and that, then you know you're really spiritual. We'll all live in communes, you know, and, and just, you know, we'll just groove on Jesus, man. Well, you know, one promise we have in the Word of God is God's faithfulness all the way to the end. That God just doesn't move in this circumstance and this situation, but he's with us all the way to the end. That's the promise of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Jesus didn't say, man, I'm going to have this great Jesus people movement, to, and then towards the end I'm just going to kind of pull back. He said, I'm with you all the way to the end. What, is, what does it say in our scripture? I am with you. I'm still with you. And so if, if we look at Haggai and we look at ourselves, could we speak to us? Hey, God's still with us. God still wants to do great things. He still wants to pour out his glory in our midst. And I'm not saying that we can control that. We can pray. We can do. We can outreach. We can, we can give. We can, you know, we can live right for God. All those things we need to do. But we can be aware that if God starts moving in in a certain area of life, God starts moving on. Hey, you know what? God's doing something. I need to pay attention to that. I need to feed that fire. I'm going to close with just read a scripture and talk about abiding through awareness. If our challenge is to cultivate a spiritual habitat and God has promised his faithful presence in our lives, and one of the things we need to do is to abide in that spiritual habitat. Jesus said in John 15, verses 4 through 11, I'm going to read this, say a couple of things, and I'll close. But he said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. What is the solution? Is that we abide through awareness. How do we stay connected to God? We stay connected to God by realizing he's faithful to us. And listen, this has to go past your feelings. 
you're not always going to feel saved. You're not always going to feel spiritual. You're not even always going to feel right with God. But if you, through faith, will stay connected to him, he will help you. And the feelings will come. Feelings don't go away forever. We need feelings. We need times and seasons of fruit. Like, like, like our uh, a harvester's theme is that he has promised to send times and seasons of refreshing. That God does that. That he sends us uh, spiritually, individually and corporately. He'll send, a, he'll send a corporate blessing, but he'll send an individual blessing where we feel the Holy Spirit. We feel that intimacy and we feel that nearness to God. But that's not every day. Sometimes we, don't, we feel like we're as far away from God as we can get. But that doesn't mean that that's the truth. That just means that's the way we feel. And so what Jesus is saying is that, listen, as you realize that I'm faithful, that I am, my spirit remains among you, I am with you, stay with me. Stay engaged. Because that's where you're going to be the most fruitful. He said, I can't find it. And him bears much fruit, and that he wants us to bear much fruit. By by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And he says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. That that's how we find real satisfaction, is by staying connected to God and realizing that he's with us. His spirit remains among us. Now, I know many of you know this already, but being aware of that, being aware of what God's doing in that co-worker, being aware of what God's doing when you're on outreach, you had a flyer, and then you feel a sensitivity of, hey, you know, God wants to do more than just me give him a flyer and invite him to church. God wants me to speak something to them. God wants me to minister to them. When you can sense the Spirit of God moving, and in yourself especially, don't trust your feelings. Don't trust because you don't feel close to God today, that somehow God's, that God's orphaned you. What Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. You are not an orphan. I'm going to come to you. My spirit's going to come upon you. My spirit remains among you. That's the promise over and over again through Scripture. Let's bow our heads this morning. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed this morning. Appreciate uh, your attentiveness this morning. And before we go any further in this service, just want to give an appeal to anybody here who may not know the Lord or may be away from God this morning. You know, God is so faithful. His spirit remains among us as he deals with the backslider or as he deals with the one who has never perhaps been born again. God's faithful to deal with people. He's faithful to move upon, to woo people to himself. And if we will realize that and cooperate with that, oh, what glorious things God can do in our lives when we say, God, I need to cooperate with your conviction right now. God, you're dealing with something in my heart. I don't know how you're going to save me. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this circumstance. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this habit. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this problem, but God, I feel your spirit dealing with me right now, and I want to cooperate with that. I want to co- cooperate with that conviction I feel in my heart. If that's you this morning and you're, you're not saved, you're not right with God, you're backslidden, you're away from God, any of those conditions, 
and you need to get right with God, you slip up your hand and put it right back down and say, yes, that's me. I really need God this morning. Hallelujah. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. Hallelujah. Anybody else? God's moving upon people this morning. Slip up your hand. Put it right back down. Hallelujah. Before we go any further, these ones that raised your hand, could you lift your head and look at me this morning? Do you mean that this morning? I believe you did. We'd like to pray with you. We'd come up and just kneel down right here. God's going to help you, and someone will be here to pray with you. Uh, this lady raised her hand in the back. Ma'am, if you want to come up and pray, we can pray with you. Church, this morning, I hope you... Um, wasn't saying that we're not aware that we're all dull, you know, but what I'm saying this morning is we need to, in the midst of our problems and issues, realize that God is, you know, he's telling the people, my spirit remains among you, do not fear. I am with you. And why is he repeatedly saying that? He's saying that because he knew his people at times needs encouragement and the reminder of God's presence upon their lives. I need it. I need to be, I need that confirmation sometimes. I need to feel the Holy Spirit sometimes move in my own heart. Say, God, are you still with me? Am I doing this? And God will faithfully visit me and help me at different times in my life to encourage me. And so maybe you just need to be encouraged. And maybe you just, uh, maybe you've been caught up in drama all kinds of things. And all you can see is, you, you know, you've become the buzzard. All you see is the smash. You don't see the beauty of what God's doing in and around you, maybe even in yourself. All you see is the problems and the, and the issues. And God's saying, hey, there's, there's some green valleys. Amen. There's some brilliant, there's some majestic, there's some good things that I'm doing. Don't just focus on what's wrong. So we're going to make an altar this morning if you'd like to come. Let the Lord help you today. Hallelujah.